0: Welcome to the Nostalgia Test Podcast, the show where two longtime friends put their mainstream pop culture past to the ultimate test the Nostalgia Test.
1: All right. Go, go with your intro, bro. It's all you. Intro, bro. <laughs> Do it.
0: Well, welcome everyone to another episode of the Nostalgia Test Podcast. I'm Dan Dissinger here in LA and I'm here with my friend and co-host Manny Coelho in New York. Manny, how are you?
1: I'm doing all right, doing all right. Hanging in there as we say in 2020, getting by, hanging in, going through the mask, wearing blues.
0: What's up? (laughs) 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 That's what you got to do wear that mask, wear that mask, you know,
1: got to do it. Uh, and then, you know, hurricane, um, can't pronounce the, the name of it. Just turned into category one, hit the Carolinas. I'm following, uh, you know, I'm old enough that I'm only following weather all the time. And, uh, <laughs> actually I take that back. I didn't even know about this until this morning when I got a text message that all oh, the tropical storms going to be pretty bad. I was like, Oh, we're getting a tropical storm. Like the way I look at weather now, is like, I go outside and my. get. Uh, looks like I might need a jacket Or I'm just soaked when I get to the brewery And I have to like take another merch T-shirt <laughs> Extra small t-shirt I'm like, oh yeah, looks like I got wet right, Um Count so, that out <laughs> Count that yeah. out,
0: take it out of the merch <laughs> It's
1: like, Nanny, you have so much merch Yeah, that just means I forgot To wear a raincoat like You get um, to
0: Lithology It's like, wait, I don't have a shirt on God damn it <laughs> Uh, I guess I get some merch.
1: <laughs> Can't wait till September comes and like we get a freak-ass blizzard or something.
0: Right here in L.A. now, too. Uh hasn't rained since march and we are now in fire season the fire season is about to start so we'll see what happens with that thankfully where i live i don't have to worry too much about that but you know thinking about all the people that that had they have to deal with that because every year that's really bad but yeah we don't get weather here we get events so events. i feel like yeah a couple of days ago we had an earthquake so that was fun um, i
1: mean <laughs> yeah aren't you guys due to like fall off the face of the United States
0: <laughs> dude have you ever been in an earthquake it's very weird very unsettling you know,
1: I actually apparently missed one when it was in New York oh. uh, people were like oh you didn't feel that I was like I was working you know in construction at the time so the house was shaking normally uh, right. something was happening so it yeah. might have happened I just yeah. didn't even notice but yeah. Yeah. no yeah, I heard it's one. weird as shit
0: yeah it's really I'm weird unsettling sure
1: if Yellowstone erupts, you'll oh. be the first one to go, and then we'll, I'll just, like, get it later. So I don't yeah. know if it's, like, good to be, like, really next to it or, you know, the one uh, like, die, like, of cold. Um, yeah, so if anything and, happens like- to
0: me when Yellowstone <laughs> explodes, I want you to record a special episode and put me to the test and be like, is Dan, does Dan pass the nostalgia test or not? <laughs>
1: And I'll be in a bunker trying not to uh, breathe in all the volcanic ash that's gonna cover the sun and make us go into a uh, frost.
0: Try to get that bandwidth and then, you know, in the fallout from Yellowstone.
1: (laughs) That's it. All right. All
0: right. Well, here we are. On a lighter note,
1: on a very much lighter note. Go ahead.
0: Yes, (laughs) on a lighter note, we have an amazing, I feel like, episode today. A great episode. Today we are putting to the nostalgia test the a 1996 album by the fugees the score just a little bit about the fugees and the score from wikipedia the fugees was an american hip-hop group who rose to fame in the mid-1990s their repertoire included elements of hip-hop soul and caribbean music particularly reggae the members of the group were wyclef jean uh, miss lauren hill and Pras Michel, deriving their name from a shortening of the word refugees Jean and Michelle are Haitian while Hill is American. Uh, Before disbanding in 1997, the group recorded two albums, one of which the score in 1996 was multi-platinum and Grammy-winning success and contains their hit single, Killing Me Softly. Hill and Wyclef Jean went on to successful solo recording careers. Cross focused on soundtrack recordings and acting, though he found commercial success with his song, Ghetto Superstar. In 2007, MTV ranked them the ninth greatest hip-hop group of all time.
1: That's a pretty good standing for a crew of all time, the ninth out of only having, you know, so few albums. Wow.
0: The one thing that I want to say is, once this album went on and I started listening to it, it was just appreciation time. I mean, I was just, every every track, one right after another. And it just reminded me how much I miss rap groups. I miss hip-hop groups like that is not too much of a thing anymore. I miss the group. I love hip-hop groups and it just I started thinking about all the great hip-hop groups in the 90s and the 80s like it was just such an amazing experience to kind of hear a hip-hop group and on an album and such a well-put-together album I, I was it just brought me back. I mean that that 90s sound ugh. Oh, <laughs> so good. oh
1: my god dude so well, I remember when you asked us, let's do this one. I remember liking it. I don't remember loving this album. I don't think I was into hip hop that much until like the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got into it more, especially on our road trip. Shout out to Dave. I kind of got more into appreciating hip hop because of you guys. But that was like in the 2000s, early 2000s. I remember listening to No Woman, No Cry." I, I guess what we were in the eighth. No, not, uh, we were in middle school. We just graduated middle school, I think. And I still remember being at somebody's house, on the side of the house, and the song was playing in the background. And something had happened with my father. And um, it was... Uh, I still remember that moment of when No Woman No Cry was on. Mm. And that's why I really appreciated that you were like, hey, let's do this album. And I was like, I do love this being a pretty good album. Now, dude, listening to it, this is an amazing album. Mm-hmm. From start to finish, no shuffle. This is a no shuffle album. Definitely it's not. Hashtag Manny, no shuffle. <laughs> front to back, front to back, even with the interludes, the little skits that were going on, they were telling stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, some comic relief going on in there. Oh, dude, it was greatly produced. I loved it.
0: Loved it was it. one of the best listening experiences because I remember this album being just gigantic. When we go through this and like think about like also other hip-hop albums in, uh, that came out around 1996, this album comes out and it just explodes. I mean, of course, a lot of their big songs from this are cover songs, but they made them their own. So you have like No Woman No Cry, Killing Me Softly. These are, you know, two cover songs, but when you hear the music coming in for Killing Me Softly, it just the mm-hmm. vibe. It just like comes over you. And you're just like, there's a very specific feeling that you're getting as soon as that song starts. And Lauren Hill's voice is just one of the greatest voices. Yes, an amazing. Boom, therapy. boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Oh, I mean, but it's like, it goes beyond that. It's like, she's a great lyricist, but an underrated voice, like singing voice is just wow, amazing. She's so good. And I just felt like anytime, like I started this album to kind of get back into it, I was happy. Like I was happy to restart it. You know, like sometimes, you know, you listen to something and you're trying to listen to it all the way through and you want to listen to it all the way through again. And it's like, all right, I got to start from the beginning. But this album, was a joy to start over. Because it was just one track after another, just just every, oh. song, every song was a hit.
1: I didn't want it to end. I had mine on loop at one point, one day, and it just kept going. And I was like, I don't think there's a bad track in this album. No. Nothing, no. Like, the grooviness, the, and it makes it feel so good, like, so groovy, and like, the beats, and like, every sample that they had, Nothing bad about it. Uh, like I agree with the, the Lauren Hill, like just the killing me softly. Like mm-hmm. the first like three, four notes, like mm-hmm. get in. You're like, oh yes, I'm not changing this song. I'm not skipping this. Like oh. I'm finishing the song out. You know, like that's it. Even though I mean there's been times where we've listened to some albums and I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, the pilot song i of listened a little while. I'm so stick us move on to the next part this was not happening i was just like put it on put the phone away let it play my eyes it was chill it was relaxing it was zen yeah i was crazy about it even with the high more like upbeat tempo songs i didn't lose like this chill vibe that i felt the whole time yeah like i just felt good listening to this like you know didn't get me so super hyped Mm. but also didn't bring me so like low Mm -hmm. i felt like at peace like zen dude oh yeah Yeah, zen.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. This album had that weird, amazing Zen feeling. Even the opening song, um, "How Many Mics?" It was how many mic? How many uh, mic? Oh. it was hard. That song was hard. It but was it still was just Zen in some way. It, it was Background music. The way they put they put that music behind it, like the beats and everything behind the lyrics, were just it, it just eased you in. And and this is what that's the stuff I I I i miss from a lot of like new hip-hop is that that real kind of like feeling that i'm having an experience now like i'm having a listening experience with this album i need to sit with it and i need to just do nothing but listen and it's gonna do something it's gonna tell me a story it's gonna invite me on a journey and it's gonna tell me things that i don't know anything about and that's the other thing i love about hip-hop when i listen to like hip-hop like this album like the score i feel like i'm learning things about the world that I have no clue about because I don't experience these things, and so it's like a history lesson and this album just did that to me, and I was just like, I need to listen to it over and over again. I need to go through the lyrics, I need to dig into that literature and just really feel this album out the way it's supposed to be I, I well- was blown away by the whole thing it was i know
1: but as you being a poet um you must have really appreciated everything that was going on like i sometimes while listening to hip-hop i kind of lose it i don't even like listen to it. i'm just listening to the beats Mm. a lot of this i was like shit man this this still stuff that they were talking back in 96 that we're still dealing with today Mm. and i was like holy cow man there's some references that they talk about even the first one they brought up fast cars and brought up tracy chapman like the, the the like the way they were rapping and uh, the wordplay I, I there's nothing bad I could say about any of these songs. Like, what's your favorite lyric if you have one?
0: Oh my god! That now you're really like. <laughs> did, did you did you write anything with that or I think just for me like one of my favorite hooks was the beast, and to me that hook. <sighs> was sick i loved that hook i want to play this song loud with the windows open even though like you can't go anywhere i want to hear it outside i don't have a car out here uh but i i want a car to listen to this album and i want to i want to play this song loud with the windows down i love this song
1: the beast was crazy (laughs) dude that was crazy
0: Lauren Hill's verses in that one are just unbelievable. But what's so great about having a, a group is the back and forth. You know, mm-hmm. just the back and forth between like Wyclefs John and and you know Lauren Hill and you know Praz. I mean, it was just one after another, boom, boom, boom. And they just this is the and, and I guess this is the shame of also a group that's so good. And it reminds me of other groups that are just crazy talented and bands that are crazy talented it's almost inevitable that they will break up because there's just something going on and i'm just like because they do they break up they were yeah.
1: kids at this out al- you know the yeah. in this album basically they just met each other in high school right
0: yeah they Dude. met each other in high school i mean the beast
1: was crazy because it was like they wanted a one I mean, it happens in hip-hop groups all the time. It's like, oh, you came out with that? I'm going to make this better. Like mm-hmm. They were just going feeding off of each other and was like, all right, yeah. all right, that was nice. What yeah. about this? Yeah. What about this? And I think you don't get that with solo albums so much that, I mean, there are really great solo rap artists, but I feel like when you have a group, it's like they kind of all bring something to the table and are able to push each other in a song. To be mm-hmm. even better, and the song gets better; it evolves, and it's just crazy. Dude, yeah. the beast was nuts. I also love number four, mm. Zealots. Zealots. Dude, yeah, the track that they used in Zealots,
0: yeah, <laughs>
1: by the flamingos, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: which has been covered by so many people. Uh huh. Um, amazing. Elon Bridges does it. Uh, does a really uh, good one. Mm. Um, but that was great. I loved the rap over that. I love the beat. It was so chill. Oh, so that's one of my favorite tracks. Yeah. I'm trying to think about like the mask
0: was great. Oh, that was such a dude. that's what I need. Every track was crazy. You know what I mean? Every track was crazy. Right now I'm like looking at the lyrics online of the, of, of Zealots and Lauren Hill's second verse is just crazy. You know what I mean? Like she is not anything to mess with. Know this is what's weird about hip-hop in any genre, whether it's writing or any sort of like creative genre, right? And even in everything, right? Where they go, Lauren Hill is a great female rapper, but she's better than most male rappers, and she would take most men to task as like verse for verse. So, like to me, it's just like without a doubt, she's one of the greatest rappers of all time when they put together like those lists lauren hill should be on that list Do you know what i mean like she has to be on a list it's, it's impossible not to have her there this and even her soul uh album the miseducation of lauren hill that was one of the greatest hip-hop albums you know of all time that's up there as well you know
1: yeah no she's literally a beast through this whole <laughs> yeah,
0: crazy through
1: this whole album like nuts yeah. and if you if you read like who wrote most of the songs like her name is on I mean, there's a lot of collaboration. And her mm-hmm. name is pretty much on every single track. Yeah. Pretty much.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah she's so she the original track.
0: Yeah. What, what was that?
1: How many mics? Oh, my God. Yeah. I, she's on a lot of them. Yeah. But I thought it was crazy. Mm-hmm. Even with No Man Cry, it was, a, it was a cover, correct?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We know it was a cover. Mm-hmm. But they changed it to be part of them, right? And I yeah. think it tells the story of Whitecliff, does mm. it not? Or it tells um, the story of all of them because it was like first they were in Bro- or somebody
0: was in Brooklyn first. So he changed. Jersey. He changed those things. That's what he changed. He's like he changed the places where you know where Bob Marley had them. So instead of like. Uh, trench town, he says, in the government yard in Brooklyn, right? And Mm -hmm. so, like, he's kind of changed the places so to locate the song a little more. And I think, yeah, there's definitely a little little things here and there for him to kind of um, get the song to be a cover, but also kind of like this weird collage, right, of them and the Bob Marley cover. So they did a lot of, like, really creative things, even when it was, you know, a cover song.
1: Dude, but those locations, I believe if you follow the Wycliffe history when he first got here he moved to brooklyn he mm-hmm. grew up in brooklyn moved mm-hmm. to jersey where mm-hmm. he met the other two mm-hmm. to make this group
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: trench town
0: mm-hmm. so, like
1: that story was his story like
0: mm, hanging okay. out
1: and also being in like you know the projects and dealing what what it was like to live in even in america mm-hmm. all that stuff that bob Marley's like talking about in America, yeah, that they yeah. made it their own. They made yeah. every of the, uh, cover their own.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, even when you go back to, you know, if we go through to, you know, Killing Me Softly, Lauren Hill makes that her own. What's funny is like most people our age might not know the Roberta Flack version of this song. You know, they're only going to know the Lauren Hill version of the song. So when they hear it, it's they, attributed to Lauren Hill. And, you know, it's like no fault of anyone's, you know, to kind of think that because it's a lot of times that's what happens with cover songs, especially if they're so good that this, uh, the person who covered it almost becomes the, the author of that song. But she made that song her own and I love that song. I, I mean, as soon as I heard it, I was like, I was almost in like a, like I felt like I was going back to like eighth grade And I was Mm -hmm. in that moment where I was like in eighth grade listening to these songs for the first time. That's the point in your life where all of a sudden music starts to become more a part of my life. Like I feel like in eighth grade where I was like buying my own music, talking about music more seriously. And all of a sudden it becoming more a part of something I enjoy instead of something that's just there. You know what I mean? Mm you know it's so weird to think of like how that when that happens and I feel like in that moment when these songs came out is when you know we're going from eighth grade into ninth grade into high school and then all of a sudden that's when everyone's like the musical identity of people is almost of you know, everyone is being created and this album's right there
1: yeah man you could rock this album the
0: whole time did you have it in a cassette form no I didn't have this in cassette form I at that point hadn't built, bought that much music but i think at that time i was listening to hip-hop and r&b through my sister so a lot of the things that would come like hip-hop r&b dance music and stuff like that was coming from my sister where i was into at eighth grade so i was on long island at that point listening to more rock so i'm, I'm kind of getting both worlds at the same time and i'm listening to like you know metallica and stuff like that with uh, friends that i've made at that time shout out to jason martinez <coughs>
1: Yeah. I went to a I went to a concert with Jason Martinez. And it was a Metallica concert.
0: So, there you yeah. go. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. but it's funny like where you get it from, right? Because now yeah. you just go online and the songs are there. But then you have to either buy it, someone makes a mixtape for you or a mix CD and sends it to you or and stuff like that. So it's like such a different musical experience. Plus radio was killing it. And you can imagine turning on the radio and the Fuji's being played and real amazing music from the 90s just being blasted everywhere on, on the radio, which was a great experience.
1: Oh, and of course, like, this was on, like, Main Street Radio, you know. Z100 yeah. had this, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. 103.5. I mean, even 103.5 had it. I mean,
0: yeah. Hot 97. I don't think you could
1: escape. Yeah, Hot 97. You couldn't escape this at all. No. Ready or not. Ready oh. or not. Here I come. I'm gonna find Dude, when, you. when that song,
0: when that song... Uh, when that started, I was like, oh, I'm not going to get into this. Like, like it, it's a, the whole album is a vibe. The, like, they set a tone immediately in this album, and they just ride it out. There's, it's everything. It's like they threw everything at the wall with this album, and it just was amazing. Such a great experience to listen to.
1: Did Lauren Hill had described it as, like, an audio movie. Mm. Like, kind of like Tommy by The Who.
0: Wow. I Okay. I do not disagree with that. That's amazing. And you know what? That that makes so much sense. I mean, think about how like you go from one track to the other and how the skits or like the the interludes, how they connect that, right? Because like you're getting the music that's moving into this new interlude that's kind of giving you some like real experience of people and then the music kind of coupled with that. So in order to get like this great history or this great story you have music you have words you have story you have everything that makes sense i i would agree that this is almost like a musical movie like that like tommy or something like that
1: yeah she said the exact quote is uh lauren hill commented it's an it's an audio film it's like how radio was back in the 40s it tells the story and there are cuts and breaks in the music It's almost like hip hop's version of Tommy, like what the Who did for rock music.
0: Wow, I love that. I love that because that's how I felt when I was listening to it—that I was being told this amazing story, but while at the same time, like being kind of ushered through it. You know, I never felt like I was there wasn't anything that I can connect to. There, I never felt like there wasn't anything that I couldn't like enter into. But at the same time, you have to find the places where you can connect to it. And if you don't have these specific experiences, that's why this album's so good. It still emotionally allows the audience, no matter who the audience is, no matter where the audience comes from, they connect to that, and then they can, they have that experience with the with the along with the artist, no matter what that person's you know experiences as a you know in the world.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, this, this also tells, like, how someone or what was going on while they were recording it. It mm-hmm. also tells you, like, the pressure or the feeling you get from an album, right? Another interview, Sean had described that they had, like, no pressure with this album. Mm. And it came from a relaxed place, done calmly, and, like, they just wanted to make music. And they wow. were just kind of expressing themselves. So, like, you, you feel that. You feel like there's no, like oh, it's our second album, we need to make this a commercial hit. They didn't, I don't think they were thinking that at all. They were just making music.
0: Wow, that makes so much sense. Because it feels like that. It almost feels like, well, (laughs) let's just go in there and make this awesome creation. And they did. That just yeah. makes me yearned for those moments in the 90s that like when bands did those types of things. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, like while we're talking, I was looking at other albums that came out like in 1996 and I'm looking at these album releases and I'm just like, what a great year for music. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, what were, they, what were so they? You have like, you know, all over the map from like, you know, rock to hip hop, right? Like Pinkerton from Weezer, that was released in 1996 outcast released at aliens someone's gonna kill me for pronouncing that probably wrong atlantic mm-hmm. <laughs> Adla- Adla- Adli- <laughs> probably i'm so stupid but um the uh jay-z's album reasonable doubt came out in 1996 beck odelay came out tupac all eyes on me nas it was written rage against the machine evil empire i mean these are like think of like 1996 like you know that's an, just those albums alone there's nothing coming out like that now. And then what I feel like is one of the best Tupac albums came out, which this one doesn't get a great critical score. Uh, Machiavelli, the Don Killuminati*. that album's unbelievable. You have such a strong year for music. And I'm sitting here going like, how can you replicate that ever? You know, there's no way. A Sublime self-titled album came out in 1996.
1: Jesus. <laughs> Real, wow. I didn't even remember all that. Like. That- coming out all in the same year that's i said that was a good time to be around music right and you I couldn't mean, i don't think you can say that now There's no way. i mean some good albums come out but like can you say that that many albums from that many different genres full albums that are unbelievable albums not just like a single
0: well that's the thing no one has to release like you don't have a release date right anyone you could just release whenever you want right so if everyone's just releasing music whenever they want, it doesn't really matter. But when everyone was releasing on, I think, what, like a Tuesday? Uh, I forget when they released uh, music. It was like a Tuesday. Now if mm-hmm. they're releasing Friday, or special album release on Thursday. Like, they just released these albums, right? I mean, not to give her any airplay in her last album, but I think, like, Taylor Swift's last album came out on a Thursday. She just released an album. Like, so that's, like, random. So yeah. they don't have to think about when to release. They just do it. When, like, in the 90s and before, like, Spotify and everything like that, you have to make a concerted effort to kind of know when to release your album. And, uh, yeah, 1996, damn. I mean, that means you have to be, your album has to be that good to be considered in this 1996 school of music. I mean, like, the Fugees, the Sublime self-titled album, Reasonable Doubt by Jay-Z, those three alone, probably some of the best albums to, like, you know, be released on the same year.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, those 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 get talked about a lot, and uh, even the people that are in it. So it says a lot about that generation of, like, young artists. Mm-hmm. Back to this um, album, I mean, we're still talking about it, but back to the tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of bonus tracks in some of these, and especially the one on Apple, um, yeah. Apple Music. I loved them, even though it was the same, basically the same song.
0: Mm. Well... I'm, I
1: thought every single one was great. I love the one where they speak Creole.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, it was great. I mean, it was that, d- done you, so well. That's, what, that's what's so great about a group like the Fujis, though. They, they create fearlessly, and they're just like, we're going to put our culture and everything into this. And if people are uncomfortable with that or whatever, I, we don't care. And I love that because to me, I want to hear that. I want the immersive experience when even I might not be fully able to really get all the layers, right? Like even if I have to, if I don't hear, if I hear something and I don't understand the language, I, I want to be in that. You know what I mean? Like I want to feel what it might be also to be an outsider in that space, because that's part of the experience to be in and out and to be, you know, you know, understand how like music can kind of create these layered experiences and, and that, that a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's funny you said that I travel a lot. My favorite trips that I've been on have been me being uncomfortable, feeling uncomfortable, trying to communicate with someone that's speaking a different language. And and I speak two languages and still trying, you know, there's stories that I could tell about traveling the world, trying to get my, you know, lost my keys or lost my parking ticket and trying to, get my car out of a parking spot, spot to a man who speaks Italian and I speak Portuguese and American. I'm trying to charades my way into telling this guy I lost his parking ticket. Uh, while one of my, you know, my best friend Lee, shout out to Lee is like, has food poisoning. We need to get him into a car. And, you know, I love being uncomfortable and pushing the boundaries of communication and just everything, just feeling of every, the world. Right. Mm-hmm. And I love that track because I don't know French Creole. Creole? Creole. I don't even know how to speak English sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, you could tell that they're rhyming in that language. Yeah. And I, even though I don't know what it's saying, first of all, again, the beat is phenomenal. And yeah. I'm in it. And I thought it was great and provocative that they were communicating in a different language. And to those people who are listening to this album, especially... You know, Wyclef being from Haiti, I'm gonna show that I could also rap in another language and just think about yeah. being Haitian. They can't even speak English, some of them, and they were listening to the score and they probably still thought it was great because of just that beat and like mm. the soul that was coming through and it, this is so many different ways that they were communicating in this album. Yeah, So many yeah. different ways. Like I, li- I didn't, didn't have to hear the lyrics. I was just like feeling the flow and I think yeah. that makes for a great musician. You don't yeah. always need to know what they're saying. I mean, like mm. think about the best bands in the world. They go all over the world. Not every single person. I mean, now, yes, there you know, a lot of people speak English as a second language, yeah. but they also speak another language as a second language or a third language. And they may not understand it fully, but mm-hmm. if a band connects in some way, it doesn't matter what they're saying in so much, you know, if it just connects in a different maybe by the rhythm of the music or just the way the feeling of the music is they could just understand the like what the band's trying to communicate to them and make them feel it's mm. great and that's yeah. true artist
0: yeah it reminds me a lot about in like heavy metal where there's a ton of bands south american heavy metal bands that do everything in their own native language and when you listen to that music, you don't understand the lyrics if you can't speak the language, but the way it's being said, the way it's being screamed or sung and the music behind it and the breakdown and the drumming and everything, you get what's happening. Like you Mm -hmm. understand it. And even in hip hop, like there's a big hip hop scene in Greece and I've heard some of the hip hop from Greece. I don't know, I don't speak Greek, but (laughs) those artists are killing it. And to hear rhyme schemes and really intricate ones in greek you're just it, it, your mind is just taken in on this trip but like you also hear the beats and you get that music so the universal aspect is the beat so you can you can like move around on that without even knowing the language and so when they have these remixes and there's ones that are, you know that one in you know creole you just you don't have to have that experience, of course, it will elevate it if you can get into the lang- the linguistic part, but if you can't, you are still having part of the experience, and that's good that's okay and that's I feel like sometimes and maybe it's American audiences, but you know sometimes that turns you know audience some audiences off or people often being like oh if I can don't understand it, how am I going to you know enjoy this and it's just like well, think of people that have to like are forced to learn the second language. That's like, you know, American style English, you know, if they don't want to, but they're being forced to now do a little homework. Maybe. I don't know. You know what I mean? And sometimes it has to happen. And I think it brings us into a more global space when you're doing that. And also Absolutely. like empathy, you know, the artist that doesn't always want to have to do their art in this language that has, you know, kind of co-opted the entire global narrative in some ways.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it goes back to what I was saying. "Is like, it, you said it, like, you may not know what they're saying, but you feel what mm. the artist is trying to show or perform. I mean, go back to opera, I mean, classical opera. Now, many people may not like opera, but I've been to a show,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: all in an Italian, have no idea what they're saying. Right. But still felt the pain, still oh. felt what these artists were, or and, and even the – person who wrote the opera was trying to portray and mm. why because they're it's just done so well so like again if a band is that good or a musician or an artist is that good you're still going to evoke a feeling from somebody
0: mm, absolutely and i think that's the thing about the fugees let me just say this that i think the cover songs are sometimes so big like killing me softly and uh, No Woman No Cry. Those songs, I think over time, have overshadowed some of the other tracks, right? So like the title track, the score is crazy. <laughs> like, every, everything that happened in that song is just like, whoa. They're not gonna play the score, you know what I mean, on, on the radio. I mean, I never heard it. Maybe like I wasn't you know, listening to the radio when the song came on, but I don't think they're gonna play the score on the radio. Unless it's like midnight, you know, on Hot 97 where they used to have like harder tracks on later at night, right? And like during the day, they just play like kind of like, you know, the singles and everything. But the score is one of the best songs on this album. And those two cover songs sometimes overtake kind of how great some of these other tracks are.
1: Dude, the score was them calling out everyone.
0: Everyone. Everyone. I
1: mean, dude, that, that was, I mean, you could call that like a beef song if you want. Like they were just like, we're... We're just killing it. We're going to destroy all of you guys. Like, oh my God.
0: (laughs) That's why I love hip hop so much. There's like those songs. It's like, we're the best. You're not. Here's what's going to happen. And they just like lay it out. And then you're just like, yeah, who's next? Like, let's hear the next (laughs) group. What are you? What's the response to that? That's what's great about hip hop that I, you know, don't see a lot in other genres where it's just like, one group or one person pushing the other person when it's just in skill, right? Like, of course, you have, you know, other rap beefs and stuff that go beyond just the song and just being a lyricist and pushing each other more and more to be better and better. Right. There's always the, you know, the history in hip hop, you know, that has been talked about in exhaustion with hip hop and probably too focused on all the time. But when you have skilled lyricists and MCs like, you know, in the Fugees and then that song, like the score hits the way it does and another group hears it and it goes well we need to write a song now that's just as good as this if not better and like put that out you know what i mean i love that it's just like well
1: you're you're evolving the art right mm-hmm. if you do that like yeah. you're pushing another artist like you could go back to as like being like an athlete right i was an athlete in high school and i never got better until i went against somebody who was better than me mm-hmm or taught me, you know, like, oh, I could do it this way. And then I got better. And like, you push each other to get better and, and you push the sports, but you know, like sports would be boring if, if people weren't pushing each other. Music itself would be boring oh. if people weren't calling, you know, like hip hop is made to call people out, right? To yeah. then be like, all right, I'm, I'm gonna wordplay. Go ahead, it's your turn. Yeah, and they give it, oh shit, that was good. I mean, I think hip hop beef is good when it's done to elevate the next generation yeah. or elevate the next song and elevate yourself because like, if I put something out, then you put something out and now I got to beat you and yeah. I can't believe that you just came out with something better. So now I got to figure yeah. out how to even be better. So you're just constantly working to get better and better and better and better. And, yeah. I, and also expressing yourself at the same time. So I thought yeah. it was great.
0: Yeah, the score, the score.
1: If you haven't heard this album, anyone's listening. If you haven't, first of all, if you heard this album when you were in middle school, turn it back on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll wait. Download During the download,
0: podcast download, uh, Yeah. <laughs> dr- Listen to down, the album come back.
1: <laughs> download it and save it to your phone because this album is necessary now. Yeah, even just to have in the background, like if they had an instrumental of this album, like I remember Chronic two thousand and one, yeah. they have an instrumental <laughs> yeah. of that out. Shout out to I have VT- it. Shout out to the VTH crew. We <laughs> listened to this album just in the instrumental the whole time because it was produced so well. This is another album that should come out with an instrumental.
0: Oh, I would like, actually love an instrumental
1: was done so well. Every track is amazing yeah. and I could have it in the
0: background all the time. Right. I like, mean, we are not hip hop producer, well, hip hop historians. So even to kind of go, like to go down the list of producers and beat makers for this, like I wouldn't even know, know where to start, but just shout out to all the people that were involved in this album because they created alongside Lauren Hill, Praz, and Wyclef Jean, probably one of the greatest hip hop albums of further than 1996 like the 90s that decade this album stands out like so much and and, and it's so great to go back to it now you're right there's no appreciation for it when you're in eighth grade like you appreciate the fact that it sounds good and you like no woman no cry you like ready or not and then you're going to like killing me softly but now you can listen to like zealots the beast you know the score <laughs> and, <laughs> and then like just really get like totally into it the mask and be like oh you know and Dude, then, the and- mask
1: was crazy
0: yeah i, I mean I,
1: I all of it was I, I i'm gonna say i think i said the word crazy like 700 times during this yeah. episode but <laughs> it was um besides like and um I, <laughs> it's amazing you need to w- listen to this i don't care if you're not even into hip-hop that much listen Is to he- this album at least <laughs> once
0: if you're into it's music, you good. should be listening to this album. Yeah, and if you're into hip hop and you haven't listened to this, and I'll, and like having graduated high school when we did, like in 2000, you know, we got the privilege of experiencing some of the greatest hip hop albums coming out, and revisiting them in a different at a different age, I think, has made me appreciate so much of that decade and that that genre during that time when we were in middle school and high school, right? But I feel like now. Younger listeners of hip hop, if they don't go back to that point around the 90s and stuff like that and go back and listen to those albums, they are missing out on like so much of the foundation of what they listen to now. Because, yeah, you have hip hop in the 80s and that's important, too. You have to listen to that if you're going to go deep into hip hop and you love the genre. But the people that are coming out now, the younger artists. This is the decade like this, and actually, probably after that, way after that, you know, as well. Because what am I talking about? It's 2020. But, like, this. Huh. Yeah, man, we're all. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same about, time.
1: You're talking about they were listening to like, Eminem and stuff. Like, that's, that's
0: their concept. heroes. Yeah. yeah. And that actually, yeah. I think, but um, this is an important album. This is an important album. These are three important artists. If you're not familiar with the Fugees, uh, get familiar. Sister Act 2. Oh, Hill. I'm so glad you brought that on. I almost forgot that Lauren Hill was in Sister Act 2. I will two. never
1: forget that Lauren Hill was oh in Sister Act God. 2. Are you kidding me? Look, Sister Act and Sister Act 2 are phenomenal movies. We haven't put it to the test yet, but yeah. we probably will. But I will tell you <laughs> that I am not going to dislike Sister Act 2. I well, will first... make fun of it, yeah. but Lauren Hill rocked it, killed it in Sister Act 2.
0: Well, what came so, out first? Did Sister Act 2 come out before Dangerous Minds? dangerous minds was she in that no she wasn't in that but what i mean is like it's that story you know what i mean like that's been done over and over again you know but i would say that the fact that lauren hill was in sister act two <laughs> my mind. dude she
1: wasn't just in it she was the star of it like it was yeah. why they needed to not just make it about Whoopi Goldberg. So they needed something else. So they were like, well, we're going to choose. Oh, Lauren Hill! <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Okay. Get
0: this. Okay. Sister Act 2 came out in 1990. Wait a second. Where'd it go? 1993. <laughs> so Sister Act 2 came out in 93. Lauren Hill, they, the Fujis released the score in 1996.
1: Oh, man. She was already heading for stardom.
0: And in between all of that, Dangerous Minds comes out in 1995. So Sister Art 2 comes out first, that whole, like, you know, we're going to take this school and all the, you know, students. I I hate that story. It's just, like, so weird and, like, to do that every time. But, like, um, it was a great movie. I, you know, not put it to the test yet. But then it seems like Dangerous Minds, like, all right, well, we need to retell the story. Let's get, some, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer now and put her in there. Like Yeah, the, they, the only here.
1: difference was they didn't have gospel music playing.
0: Yeah, which was and, a big mistake because Sister Act oh, 2 rocks.
1: Dude, Sister <laughs> Act 2. I can't wait to put that to the test. I can't wait. I can't wait. What I a cannot, bad, amazing movie in the 90s. Like, what were they doing?
0: I cannot believe that Sister Act 2 came out three years before this album came out.
1: Yeah how i gotta it? I gotta dive into more of like a lauren Hill uh like what she was doing. I guess like they found out pretty quickly that she was a better rapper than uh an actress i she wasn't in that many films, I don't remember
0: um she was in we can actually look this up right uh um, yeah, we
1: have a thing called Google now
0: right uh, Google. so here we are Lauren Hill or Miss Lauren Hill. I'm blown away by the fact that she was in that three years before the album actually came out. That's crazy. So she was in Oh my god. (laughs) Holy shit. Okay, okay. so she was in Sister Act 2. She was in Conspiracy Theory with Mel Gibson and Julia Roberts. Really? Yeah, apparently she was maybe she had like a small part. I'm going to look on the full cast. Because that would be crazy. I don't see her on it. Maybe, maybe they were wrong. But yeah, but it doesn't matter because she was still in Sister Act 2, which is, you know, super important.
1: <laughs> Dude, it was like one of the best m- movies of all time, Sister Act 2.
0: <laughs> she,
1: she forged a permission slip, bro.
0: Oh, that's right.
1: <laughs> she was supposed to be taking care of her kid, sister, I think, too
0: oh that's right yeah 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 oh my god dude do you have other rap groups i mean did this make you think of other rap groups D- do you because i was thinking of that i was thinking of other rap groups and like how much i miss rap groups you know and um, it just made me really understand like how we, they don't really exist the way they used to ah
1: do i have other rap groups that i liked I got into Tribe Called Quest very late in my mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Again, everything after our road trip, um, <laughs> which I love Tribe Called Quest, but um, I mean
0: De La Soul was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. De La Soul is really great. I feel like it's a thing that doesn't exist anymore, though. It's not something that like people do. Like, remember Jurassic Five? Yeah. Oh
1: yes. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me. That was awesome. Another like groovy type of band, like awesome beats.
0: Yeah. That was the thing, like hip hop was funky, you know, or it had a groove to it. You know what I mean? And and I think that was the thing that they were talking about with this album, how if you listen to their first album uh, before this, right, it was way different. It was way different. They were like pushing them into this other type of genre, I guess, trying to make them more gangster rap or whatever that they when they did the score it was like this is who we are we're this and i'm so glad that like what you said that they made um this decision to be like no we're just making music and we're going to enjoy it and we're going to do it mm-hmm. in a kind of relaxed way and they really you could really tell how they really said we're just doing this because we love we love music and we we want to be you know we want to be ourselves you could really tell that they really were themselves in this, but yeah, Jurassic Five, you have the roots, you know, which are still around. Um, they came out with an album '96, Philadelphia, um, yeah. and then they have, you know, other groups that, like, I think are just not like, I guess wouldn't be considered groups, but like, you know, the Locks and D Block, you know, just the oh. back and forth from Jada Kiss and Styles P. I mean, that back and forth stuff, you have to be so skilled. That's why I also love the score because. It was just seamless with them. It was just great.
1: Nothing wrong with this album. Just go and listen to it.
0: Go and listen to it. Look at that. In 1996, Crash from Dave Matthews Band came out, too. Really? 96, dude. Soundgarden. Man, 96,
1: heavy. Heavy music right there.
0: (laughs) Soundgarden's Down on the Upside came out. That's one of the biggest albums. (laughs) Holy shit.
1: Why was 96 such a big year?
0: Dude. The Wallflowers bringing down the horse that came out in nineteen ninety six. Oh my god, dude! Nineteen ninety six was a crazy year for music. Wow. When
1: did Lesson Jake's Losing Street come out?
0: Ninety four. Because if that's
1: on there, that'd be crazy.
0: I think that came out in ninety four. But shout out to Lesson Jake you know, while we're here. Other anything else you have about the score or you know? Should we get right into scoring the score? Ugh, that was a bad pun. That was terrible.
1: I was gonna, I was gonna say it's a score of one hundred and ten. No, no, um, losing streak came nothing. out in
0: nineteen ninety
1: six. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Dude, are you kidding me? It did it.
0: No way. I gotta double check that. Right? Like, let's. No two. way. Um, losing streak. Because if that came out in 1990, 1996, November 12th, 1996.
1: Jesus. Dude, 1996. So I have a feeling we're going to be doing a lot of tests of that 96. are going to pass in 96. 96.
0: When did that album come out of that band that we. uh, That then. Uh, S- they, they, Smacking
1: they Isaiah from. that is now William Ham Scream or something like that.
0: Yeah.
1: Change um, your name
0: back, please.
1: Change your name if you're listening to this. Maybe you are. I don't know, but you should change your name back to us Smacking Isaiah, what which by the far um, the name of the album. Dan was
0: the way a girl's heart through a boyfriend's stomach. Was that it? Yes, yes. i mean yes. saying <laughs> it came out in 2000, but I, I don't know. It might have. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Back to the score. <laughs> okay, back to, <laughs> back, to the score. back to something people can actually find and listen to.
1: <laughs> yeah they wouldn't be able. To, they wouldn't be able to listen to the one we're talking about because we'd have oh. to they have to go to youtube or we'd have to send it to them i just thought they send you that no. all right i'm gonna i'll go first go Get. it's definitely it blows nostalgia brings it here keeps it here it's mm. still an awesome album i don't think anyone would argue that if they have any love for hip-hop Mm. But this album is a great album and it needs to be listened to and it still needs to be listened to and it should not die.
0: Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. This album passes the nostalgia test, blows the nostalgia test out of the water. It is still good. In 20 years, it's going to be good still. I hundred 100%. This album was such a pleasurable listening experience. I want to listen to it again. And I'm gonna go and now listen to Miseducation of Lauren Hill. I'm gonna go listen to Ghetto Superstar by Bras. <laughs> I'm gonna then dig into Wyckliff's John's album discography because all three of these people are unbelievable artists, and I think Miss Lauren Hill needs to get even more um, adulation than she does. I think it's too much is talked about how she quote unquote, you know, lost it or whatever. I think it's just, it's an artist that saw how the music industry was kind of become, it was this thing and she was unable to kind of just be herself. And, you know, just like the way they talk about Dave Chappelle, you know, whatever he did, I think Lauren Hill is just, she's an unbelievable creative, you know, she needs to be recognized for that. And I She think was upset that, with that. Yeah. And I think she, this album was 100% one of the greatest albums. Uh, I mean, dude, songs. we
1: wouldn't have some artists if it wasn't no. for her.
0: Not at all. Not at all. She, she's one of, the greatest, uh, one of the best rappers ever. Absolutely.
1: Best rappers ever. Also a songwriter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Apparently, song wrote and produced some songs by Aretha Franklin, Mary J. Blige, Whitney Houston, Sinatra, and more. I mean, dude, that's a lot. She's an uh,
0: unbelievable artist. Unbelievable yeah. artist. The score, unbelievable album. If you haven't listened to it ever, go out and listen to it. If you've, already, if you've listened to it, listen to it again. And yeah, let us know what you think. This was a great listening experience.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to keep listening
0: to it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Manny, another great episode. Any, any final words for our audience before we leave? Ready or not?
1: here i come i'm gonna find you and let no woman no cry <laughs> playing my song with your fingers one time. Oh <laughs> uh, i had to give you i had to give you the manny sing-along bro yeah the you manny had to give sing-along.
0: the manny
1: sing-along with the dance yeah everybody in it but
0: <laughs> maybe
1: <laughs> maybe they will
0: everybody thanks so much for uh, listening to another episode of the Nostalgia Test Podcast drop it every Tuesday see you in the next test <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know how to end it. thanks for listening to today's episode please subscribe to the Nostalgia Test Podcast to know when new episodes drop Don't forget to leave us five stars and a positive review so more people can find the podcast. Share your thoughts and memories on today's topic on our Twitter at Nostalgia Test and on Instagram at The Nostalgia Test. Tune in next time because you never know what pop culture will pop up on The Nostalgia Test.